John, welcome back on the show. People who haven't listened to this one or seen you around would know we did an episode remotely. Oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, we yeah, did. Quite a while ago. <laughs> but now, now we're back in a better location and even better. So I've got you on the show because I believe you're an expert. You help people with strategy, marketing, really getting down to what is important when you're making marketing decisions. Um, but yeah, let, let people know what, what makes you an expert in, in your field. Do, do you think, I know it's hard to talk about yourself, but yeah, do you have case studies or examples right off the bat? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think uh, the key takeaway here is I've worked for big, small business and all the way down the supply vertical within the, the marketing industry. So what that means is like I've worked as a client in an ad agency and then throughout the vertical, i.e. making the ads, getting them on TV, distributing them, seeing how they're made and broadcast. Like, example, I've, I've, done a, I've, I've been there when they've done a voice dub of a of head and shoulders ad. So we get the material from Singapore. I'm in there in the booth and the lady's doing the voiceover and recording that. So that was for a big brand. I've, I've done things like a QAing or quality assurance on TV ads, for example. So one of my previous jobs is working for a, a media distribution agency. Sounds boring, but basically I had to watch TV ads all day and look at print ads and, and and then to say if they're in the right format or not for technical standards before they went to air. So I saw hundreds, probably thousands of, of ads. And then I've done other things like, like just yesterday, implementing Salesforce in a, in a tech startup in Melbourne who just raised a couple of million dollars of funding. So that's like a sales operation thing. So I think why I'm an expert is I've, I've done so much work in everything that when you have that deeper understanding of how everything works, you can... You're, you're wiser in terms of looking at it in, in the right perspective. And when you're just at a box hold in one little specialty area, you don't see the bigger picture. Yeah, definitely. Like it's, it's dangerous to just be the one expert in one thing and not taking into consideration other channels and other yeah. ways that they will be effective. So if you're looking after a head and shoulders campaign, for example, they're not just doing the TVC. No. They're going to do billboard. They're going to run internet ads over Google or Facebook. So yeah. understanding that from the top level and then going down gives you practical application. Yeah, it does. And I think also an appreciation for tactical execution and, and the importance of that. And a lot of big businesses kind of can get stuck in the strategy planning clouds. And I, I post about this the other day on social media. I'm like, really, nothing has any value to the business until it's executed and done. And even then, it can be the wrong thing to do. But there's no value in those, those meetings, those discussions, planning, the strategy documents. Yeah, great. It won't grow your business. It won't have any effect until you do something. So I think having that appreciation for tactical execution is really critical. And if you haven't done that, you really don't know what you're talking about. Do you think there's a lot of people that just overplan, overthink, overanalyze, overdata, and, and then don't do? So your best plan is plans are great, but they're not worth anything without action. Yeah, look, I think and I call them sort of the, the grape, sorry, the cake decorator types. There's some marketers out there who instead of worrying about what's in the cake, where it's sold, who's talking about the cake, how many layers it has, what's in it, is it good, do people like it, is there a sales promotion, how much does it cost, what's your pricing model? They get obsessed with the, just decorating the icing and the cake. Oh, what color are we going to do this, this month? What's the font? And I, they can just get really caught up and prioritizing that too much rather than the bigger picture and the depth of, of everything else that's going into selling the cake, for example. Well, that's a classic example of like the graphic designer building your website and the marketer building your website. Yeah, big difference. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So graphic designer will be like colors and charts. And I'm not discounting that. It's kind of important, but it's only important if it creates a distinctiveness, if that then resonates with the customer, with the market, that 
that you're that you're targeting is that branding unique compared to everybody else or is it just like a like a template build it has no value until it has market value mm. and then it can be measured because you make the most beautiful thing in the world you make the most beautiful product like I take for example, I've just bought a Samsung S21 and they make beautiful phones. They put a whole bunch of effort. Are they sponsoring this episode? They're not sponsoring it. If they want to reach out to me, they can. (laughs) But the funny thing is I then go and put this big-ass case on it and they've they've spent months on on their design. If they maybe understood that people are going to whack a big case on it and put more of that effort into the functionality, I mean, it's a beautiful phone, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I mean, and that's a good uh, segue into like, why is Apple so popular? Apple phones. You can make the mistake of looking, oh, well, it's because that branding campaign in 1984. Oh, no, it was because that really cool Think Different campaign. And uh, as marketers from afar, we can kind of look at what's the most visible thing that they've done and make the assumption that that thing led to their success. But what you don't see is like the UI doesn't make things simple. If you've ever had to transfer devices on, on, on between Apple devices, it's a pretty seamless process. You want to get a new Apple Mac and transfer everything from your last one to this one, bang, easy. And they create this ecosystem with network effects. A lot of people don't understand that and the value in that. And there's this really good, this phrase, which is like the best marketing doesn't feel like marketing. And that's extremely true. There's a lot of hidden things underneath that I specialize in, by the way. And advertising and, and the visual, visual sort of side of things is, is just one small component of, of the deeper iceberg. We'll get into those specializations, but I want to touch on great marketing is marketing that doesn't feel like marketing. Yep. One of my first lecturers, Peter Wagstaff, he said in a, I think it was the first ever lecture, he was like, the funny thing is marketing itself has an image problem when its whole job is to improve the image of a product or brand or company. So people don't like being marketed or sold to. But how do, we, how do we as marketers get around that problem by implementing what you just said in terms of making good marketing not feel like marketing? Yeah, look, and this comes from the thing that a lot of small and large businesses miss, which is deep customer insight. And that comes from research. It comes from having a brain. The more experience you get, you can kind of, you kind of already know what's going on. But as a junior marketer, you won't know. Or if you're a junior business, you won't have done research before. So you're going into this market and you don't really know why people are buying your product. Until you find out the why, it can be really problematic. So the best businesses, and Apple, by the way, have spent more on market research than any other company in the world ever. Billions and billions and billions, tens of billions, hundreds of billions on market research. I want to talk right, I'm going to talk right at the camera here if you're watching along. The, the marketing student who doesn't like quantitative, who doesn't like the statistics, who I was one of those. Yeah. I was one of those. And I was well, talking. It can be pretty boring. <laughs> it can be. It can be. And as marketers, we either have done a couple units in accounting because that's what our, and, and we go away, we're going, I'm not doing numbers ever again. Yeah, yeah. I hate but, numbers, right? I hate numbers. But numbers are sexy. Right? Numbers are what make decisions. Please it's touch what gets on you it. promoted. Like you'll, you'll reach this level in marketing as well, which you'll, you'll, you won't get respect. Businesses are there to make money. If you're trying to glorify some kind of like purpose, like, oh, no, we're, we're selling products to change the world. Yeah, great. But at the end of the day, you don't have a business if it's not profitable. You have competitive factors always trying to take you down from other competitors. So if you're not making profit, you don't have a company, you won't survive. So if you are disconnected from your ability to, to look at those figures, to affect those figures, you're not going to get any respect. Investors, they fund the business, whether it's the bank or private investors. They then delegate that governance responsibility to a board of directors. They then 
implement and, and hire non-executive directors or other directors below that and managers to execute the functions of the business. Ultimately, you're accountable to the investor through a couple of layers of governance. Whether you're a small, large business, the same kind of thing, just more compressed at the top. So if you're not there making money, you can't at least try and approve things working, then you're not going to get any respect. So let's, let's see, how, like how do numbers affect decisions? I know that's a broad as question, but how do you gather marketing insight from, from data, from research, from sure. quantitative and a mixture of qualitative? You, you need yeah, both. Yeah, but, secondary, primary research, yeah. yeah. Look, looking at figures will only get you so far because it's retrospective. You're looking at what's already happened in the past. But, I mean, from a marketing perspective, what you're trying to do is increase revenue. And this is my specialty and probably why we're talking today is like identifying those things that produce sales revenue. That's what you want to do in a business. I can push out design 50 ads and put them on social media and post them like, yeah, hoo-ha, great. Anyone can do that. Affecting the revenue figures of the business is, is quite difficult. It's always hard because you've got those negative pressures. You've got diminishing laws of return on, on a lot of your marketing activity. So maybe that social post does really well and then you can't keep reusing that stale. <laughs> so you've got to do it again and again and again. So it's very resource intensive. And for that reason, I mean, coming back to your question about figures, I mean, you always got a constraint on your budget in marketing like, there's like 48 different channels of, of things that I could invest in. Like, I want to do everything, but okay, let's focus. What are the top three things you want to do? So what are those financial returns? Why are you doing them? If it works really well, where will we see the positive financial effect of those things? Is it a short-term effect? Is it a long-term thing? And then being really pragmatic about measuring those things as you execute and then attributing that back to, to sales revenue generation. Yeah. And that's always the thing that I've respected about you, I think we even met, I don't know if you even remember, I think we met because I made a cold call to you. You did? Yes. <laughs> back in my, back in my well, day. I think it was a, a cold LinkedIn and then it led to a cold, cold call. call and then, yeah, we met for, for a discussion. Where was that? In Oakley, I think it Oakley. was. Oakley. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But you've always respected sales. Um, yes. You've always respected the, the, my marketing effort is to drive markets. And to drive sales. And where do, you, where do you see the benefit of having a sales mindset when it comes to running a marketing campaign, when it comes to thinking of branding, when it comes to doing the, the, the fun stuff? Where does having a, a mindset in sales advantage your business? I think mindset in sales like, means you're focused on the outcome from all these activities that are upstream. So you can get caught on what I call an output trap, which is just like doing things and being busy and doing them. And this is very symptomatic in, in businesses, big and small. Let's suppose we've got to post on social media every day. We're going to do this every day. Like, yeah, why? Is it affecting sales or not? Otherwise, what are you doing? You're wasting your time. You've got a massive opportunity cost there of, of your time and resources. So having that sales mindset makes you focus in, in your marketing and strategy to be, okay, well, at the end result of this, we want people to buy. There's no use in any marketing if they don't buy at the end. Maybe that it takes a while for them to buy or not, right? Through a branding thing or like you are building a personal brand in social media. It's a slow burn thing and you'll get this nonlinear sort of uptick which could take years. But if you're not focused on, okay, well, I'm doing that. Why am I building my following? Because I can leverage their data because I know mathematically one in a hundred will be in market in this sales cycle. So that's why I'm investing in it. And yeah, I'm in there for the long road. A lot of content strategies like that. I want to touch on this and I'm going to brag a little bit here. I just had a TikTok video go to 1.7 million. Oh, congrats. Views. Now, this video has increased my following from 1,800 to... Last night I checked it, 2,555. It's good. Big bump. Not as big as you think from a 1.3, 1.7 million So you're dancing to video. the Macarena or something? Uh, or? <laughs> I wasn't doing dancing. I basically got my 
a photo of my cat. Had a long story short, our neighbours were fantastic. They told us they'd put out rat poison. Um, I found out through this post a lot of people don't tell their neighbours to do that. Wow. And basically we've had to keep Ross inside and he's a, he loves going outside. He's, he's a roaming cat. So he's meowing. Anyway, I took a photo of him one day and he's clutching against the flywire, like hanging on, looking all sad. <laughs> and, uh, and then what I did was I took that photo, I zoomed it in slowly on a screen record and then the music playing underneath is Hello Darkness, My Own Friend by Simon and Garfunkel. Ah, okay. And, and then it's like Ross can't go outside because the neighbours put out rat poison. And it went viral. Went viral. Wow. 1.7 as of this morning. It's um, very emotional, isn't it? Emotional. And I think maybe the, the combination of the music. Music, humour, yeah. all of that. The question people from a marketing perspective asked me was, yeah, but what now? Like, yeah, so what, right? So what? Like 1.7 million, great. And what's your response to that? Was my response to that is it's not about the video. It's about the, what I do after that video. Do I now, because it's my personal page, the next video I make about me, will those people, 1.7, all of those 1.7 million people care about me? No, they won't. But will a percentage of the people that followed me care about me? They will. I'm predicting a drop-off of maybe 100 people when they first see my face and not my cat's face. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not that ugly. (laughs) But not that ugly, hopefully. But that's the thing. That's the thing is it's this following. So what... It's mathematics, really. Yeah. Like we know percentage-wise, like... What, maybe five or six of them are going to Google? Who is this Tim Binland guy? Oh, what does he do? Oh, he does podcasting. Oh, I know someone that's doing in that market. Oh, connect Tim with that. This guy is pretty awesome at social media, right? Like we know with playing math and in sales as well, like you make 100 cold calls, one of them generally is going to be in market. You just have to dial enough and play the math. So, yeah, I mean, that's my response to that is that you're going to get some kind of mathematical percentage of that following going to talk about you or one of the podcasts or something like that. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I predict maybe 10 of those people, but as long as one is greater than zero, as long as a couple of those people vibe with what I'm doing, like I'm, I've just finished a studio setup, so it's a great, in terms of context of TikTok, people like seeing development of people. Mm-hmm. They like seeing story time. They like seeing day in a life. They like seeing, oh, this person's like renovated their apartment from looking like a squalor to too amazing they like the before and after stuff yeah so you're gonna get some butt implants and yeah, make your lips bigger kylie jenner stuff I'll call yeah, you yeah. And, oh man this. i'll be an influencer in no time no i just i really like the idea because i've got shots of my office it's empty and then just like panning to now it looks like we've got bookshelves yeah but like progression right and i suppose that's what i do is growth like where do we start where do Let's we get back go? into that yeah, yeah and and you want to sell that sort of journey right and we always say like show don't tell i was talking to you before about that like okay, don't tell me what you're going to do, like show me. And th- that's why I'm saying like there's not much use in these kind of planning days, these workshops, all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah, great. But you've got to put the rubber to the road and, and drive the car, right, <laughs> and go somewhere. That's the whole point. So, yeah. And speak to the notion that people build funnels, people build websites to get excited, they launch their product, they're like, it's going to kick the market's butt. Mm. But speak to the fact that maybe the first time you launch something won't be the most successful. Yeah, crickets. Yeah, it happens a lot. High expectations and sometimes you can deprioritize the promotional side of things. Like, like content marketing is a great example of that. Like we always use like Pareto's 80-20 rule for that. So you should be spending like 80% of your time promoting the, the content, right, and 20% producing. A lot of other people get it around the wrong way. They spend all their time producing it and then when it comes to promoting it and, and the hard yakka, right, the expensive part of it, 
allocate no resources and they go, oh, well, it didn't work, didn't go viral. I'll be, I'll put my hand up and say, I've, I've been guilty of that. I've produced, <laughs> Everyone has. I've produced 54, 55 episodes of, of live. This is probably episode 56. I haven't ran a single ad. Oh, no, that's a lie. I haven't run a single ad on good content. I ran one that was just lazily put together because I was like, all right, I need to start getting traffic to this thing. I'm Mm. putting time and effort. Um, It wasn't really well thought out. I was like, oh, this is a great clip. I'll just run this. And it got a little bit of traction. But I haven't spent the 20% of time, apart from putting organic content, I've I've done that a lot, of course, but I haven't put paid behind this yet. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think this comes back to maybe some small business people are listening. Every business is like this. You've got, a, you've got a resource constraint. And that means you have to really, really kill over with your prioritization and, and your strategy behind that. What are you trying to achieve? Let's diagnose the problem. And getting an independent view on that is really critical. So if I'm a small business person, I've got a small budget and I need quick wins. What happens is in desperation, they'll, they'll go for the silver bullet sort of proposition. They'll go to an agency that goes, oh yeah, everyone's doing this. TikTok, SEO, Google, it's this or whatever. Yeah, cool. But that's because that's what they sell. That's what they're going to recommend. I think getting that sort of core independent perspective is what I'm really good at and going, actually, let's just wait a minute. What are you trying to achieve? What's your goals? What's your budget? Okay, well, with that budget, we can maybe prioritize these things and we're going to do it for this period of time. These are the things that we're going to measure. We're going to be really pragmatic about whether that's like giving us financial payback or not Mm. and what time period. Can we talk for an example of that, maybe from a small to medium perspective of where you've actually implemented these these thoughts and processes and go on, hang on. Have you looked at the data? Have you done this? Have you done that? Okay, you want to do TikTok, but is Instagram reels maybe? Are you really a dancing mortgage broker? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, we call it shiny object syndrome, right? Shiny object Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Everyone wants like the newest, latest thing. And yeah, it's pretty natural. Get on the bandwagon. It's like this sort of FOMO effect, like... Let's go on TikTok before organic reach gets curtailed by the algorithm. And yeah, true, there's some some truth to that, sure. But is your market on TikTok? Mm. Is the first question I would ask. Like, and if so, how many of them? Uh, how big is in Australia? Most people can't answer those kind of questions. Mm. So look, asking those those hard questions, it all stems from knowing mm. your market and knowing how to use different vehicles to target that market. So a business that you've worked with, if you can name them, sure. what were those hard questions you asked them and then what were the things that they did on the back end that then had a positive result on bottom line? Oh, yeah, where do I start? Yeah. So many. Well, look, I was working with a, how many can I mention? Okay, let's just think. About just the ones you can legally say. Yeah, yeah that's Because I know you've worked with some Silicon Valley startups and stuff. And yeah, anyway. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, let's use Silicon Valley startup. Yeah, so this is back in 2017. I was living in San Francisco, working what I call a growth role. Marketing is a dirty word in Silicon Valley. So it's been rebranded to, to all that <laughs> it's means. It's like the business development manager, the salesman being called a business development manager. Yeah, but I mean, there is some truth in, in that that role if you want to define it. I think this is a good thing to talk about really is that when people think marketing, they instantly think marketing communications, promotion, which is one small part of marketing. And then within that, they think immediately advertising. And this is a cultural thing. Ad agencies used to be quite powerful. Power brokers back in the day, they aren't anymore. The Don Drapers. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Your media was less fragmented. It was very concentrated. So whoever controlled access to that was king. We didn't have the internet. We didn't have comparison websites. Completely different ballgame. And I think that legacy mentality is still there. So if you ask like a small business owner, what should I do? They're like, oh, well, let's advertise in Google. Let's advertise here. Let's advertise there. That's the first thing they're going to think about. So with Silicon Valley and the growth role that I was in, it's more, okay, what, how do we grow this business? Okay, we need to get more users. So this is a 
a website-based SaaS company, a software as a, as a service. Yes. I was in the building sector. So it was a building broking service where you would list people who are offering building services for houses, renovation, that kind of thing. Big project. And we would match them with people who are looking for the best, and they call them contractors over there, not tradies. The best contractor for the area, three people would sort of quote, would meet them in the middle, and then we would clip the ticket of, of that transaction. So that's that was the model. So from a growth perspective, I was trying to get demand, more people looking for building services and renovations. And then on the other side, I was trying to get more people as businesses to, as contractors to, to be in there and listed on the marketplace, right? So we're going to catch 22. You can't have more than one or the other. <laughs> You're going to do both. And marketplaces are very resource intensive because of that. But growth is like, okay, what's the outcome? Coming back to financials, like the outcome in businesses to earn more sales revenue, to get more customers, to sell them more. <laughs> right? More often to get more money. That's it. Everything else filters down from that sort of sort of pretty frank realization in business. So if you're not doing that, like there's not much point to, to, to marketing. So in growth, we kind of look at the product and how that product resonates, how it attracts more people, the onboarding process, how to get that quick win, the experience. So it has product elements and also pricing. There's promotional side of that. There's distribution, strategic partnerships we'd be making with other, other sites that had our target market. It'd be working with the sales team. It's quite wide ranging, but ultimately you're going after that growth goal, which mm -hmm. is, is user growth and, and usability. So yeah, that's, that's a big difference. Yeah. What are the, so small to medium business, so you, you're helping the medium and you, you still have some small ones that you, you do. Yeah, I, do I specifically work, work in private, privately owned businesses. So I don't work in corporate where it's a public company and shareholders and everything. It's normally I have a very direct line to the owners of the business, right? And generally to be more specific, those people I report to have a direct financial interest in the company, whether they're the owner with an equity stake or they're a small business owner with 100% stake in the business. Like that's what I specialize in. So what are the questions? Because all good research that develops good insight that then impacts decisions mm -hmm. start with good questions. So what are the good questions that the, these type of business owners should be asking themselves, particularly in Australia where it's a service-based economy? Yeah, I, oh, yeah, that's the other thing. I only work in services too. Yeah. So I don't do products. No that's e why I ask. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So privately owned service sector businesses. Yeah, look, questions they should be asking themselves is like the hard questions. So like what? resources do you have right to play with what are your goals where are you trying to get to okay let's be specific about that what are the determinants that maybe okay you want to grow yeah everyone wants to grow obviously but like by how much and when and do you have a realistic budget to, to put against that the other hard question is do you have capability a lot of especially small businesses are trying to do everything and the problem with that is that you don't really know what you're doing and you're not a specialist in those roles and the trade-off is that yeah great, I don't have a lot of money, so I can't hire these specialists altogether because I can't afford it. So often, okay, well, that's, that's a problem. Let's focus on one and, and really focus on, on investing into one area instead of like 14, trying to do everything yourself. So yeah, yeah, exactly. And then what are the things that you've learned from running big brand TVC, big budget that has filtered down into, I've got this big level thinking into this small to medium service-based space? Yeah, I think there's a huge difference and people make the mistake between trying to do what a big brand does as a small brand 
right? And that's a really dangerous thing to do. And people make the mistake of like by default looking at like what's the most visible thing that company's doing. Oh, oh, the most visible thing I can see that big brand's doing is, oh, they're advertising. Oh, look, they're here, they're there, they're on TV. I, I got to be on TV as well, right? And that's the assumption. What they don't see is underneath that facade is everything else that's going on. For example, Commonwealth Bank, big big bank in, in, in Australia, multi-billion dollar company. Was it two, three hundred billion? Oh, they're, they're, they're the one people say they should all invest in for the long term. Yeah, great. So like I could make a mistake as, uh, as someone. Also, sorry, just take your own investment advice. Don't, I wasn't giving anyone investment yeah, advice yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. Just, just a disclaimer. Just, yeah. just a disclaimer. Alarm holes. Do your own research. Okay, so in terms of Commonwealth Bank, I could look at their ads. Oh, wow, really emotive ads on TV. And oh, look, they're, they're everywhere. Oh, oh, they're bank branches. What you don't see is that they they bought, um, is it Aussie Home Loans? One of they those? did buy Aussie yeah. Home Loans. So, so they sell my most of their most of their products like indirectly through affiliate networks right of resellers who resell their products so in small business coming back to your question a lot of people ignore their referral networks ignore creating an affiliate program ignore outsourcing some of their sales to like other people that have that same target and i use the tradie example like the tradies are really good at this they got a plumber they got a chippy friend they got another friend that does concrete and whatever they're all cross-referring business to each other so they go on a job and then that, they do a good job and the homeowner goes, oh, I actually need help with my kitchen. Oh, I'll call my, my kitchen guy, the chippy guy. He'll, he'll help you out. So that's a really basic example of like what a referral network is. And coming back to the difference between marketing or comms and then real marketing is things like this, strategic partnerships. Maybe it's really deep knowledge of the customer. Maybe it's like your, your core competency about handling the sales objections better than everybody else, right? Having that, that knowledge is really valuable asset. So there's all these things underneath the, the facade of the most visible things that we see that are, are generally the, uh, the cause for a lot of growth. Yeah. Things that excite me in that space are joint ventures. Yeah. You know, joint ventures are really, really cool things that if done properly can, can go really well. I I help people go from podcast concept, podcast reality in an afternoon. and But there's scope in there for me to do more video and work with video agencies and producers and that kind of thing. So joint venturing with people that you think are maybe not your competition or even not even in the right market, you can find a pairing there that, that works really well. Do you, do you have an example of a joint venture that you've done? That, that yeah, sure. Like, again, working for a tech startup in Melbourne, where we are right now, just did yep. us across there. Marvel Stadiums uh, over there. Yeah, like setting up strategic partners, a partnership for them. So they are a tech company that sell e-commerce customization software, right? What I was doing last couple of months was calling every agency and setting up meetings around the world, mostly in North America, and having meetings with them and, and going, hey, like this is what our software does. We get requests to, for people to rebuild their website. So I was talking to all the Shopify Plus agencies around the world and striking up, starting that relationship and going, hey, this is what we can do. We can refer you work this way. And then maybe you can use our tool as a preferred sort of tool when you're building these kind of concepts. The thing I love about that is it inspires action. It doesn't demand action. Like if you're making a cold call to someone, hey, use my software versus website company I have a partner with integrates this software into the package and it's an add-on that actually would make you more sales or more enjoyment of the product, a lot easier sell than buy my stuff. Yeah, look, and that comes down to your value proposition. Like, what's the value exchange? If you're in a relationship, and this is business 101, like, I've got this thing to offer, yeah, but what do I get in return? That's the question. Like, 
what are you going to do for me? The contra deals are, are really big in, in small business. And that comes down to when you're selling your product. Like, okay, well, yeah, great, it does this and does that, but, but why? Why is that valuable to me? Tell me. And this from sales. You don't talk about your product. You talk about what problem does that person have? Can my product solve that problem? And this is how it can solve the problem. We've done it before. Talk to this person. Look at this example. Look at this case study. Again, show, don't tell. Can you develop more on getting to the problem for someone? Like if you're in a sales process and actually revealing the, the problem? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you can ask leading questions, right? But if, if you're more experienced with, the, with sales, you kind of know what the problems are and how your product can solve it. But I mean, I do this with when businesses are starting out, like, oh, and this, is, this happens all the time. I was at a printing company yesterday, wanted to do this, this print product service offering. And, and then the starting point is like, okay, they got money, but like, they don't know how to execute. They don't have a strategy. So one of the first things I do is like, okay, well, tell me about your products. Let's define how that feature can provide value via benefits to that person or reduce costs for that person. And we don't want to just talk about monetary costs, which is reflected in the price. And we don't just want to talk about functional benefits. We want to talk about emotional benefits. We want to talk about taking away mental anguish, opportunity cost, to save you time, for example, like all those kind of elements. So one of the core things I do with, with clients is, is break down their value prop for, for their product and, and their big op service offering and I think you need to be really clear about what that is then you use that to manifest itself in language when you're talking to sales when you're using your marketing and in all your comms mm. all right I I want to have this section of the podcast be pitch my product so <laughs> pitch my product. yeah you, you come on the show people are listening it's if you've li- been listening for 30 minutes you obviously like what John's saying or, or what I'm saying so so I'm going to give you like I know hibernacy is your your the baby you're working on at the moment. Yeah, the never-ending um, baby. Never-ending <laughs> baby. So, yeah, tell me about hibernacy. Yeah, so, look, I've been thinking about this for a while. As I said, I've worked throughout the whole vertical. So what I, what was missing in the market is really something that connects that whole process together and gives business owners and and people with direct financial interest in, in the company a, a really independent view of, like, how to go about growing and getting sales revenue. And what's what happens is I mentioned some of the biases in the market, like you've got ad agencies over there pushing this, you've got digital agencies pushing that. You've got a lot of people with vested interests that aren't aligned with, with the outcome, which is to get sales revenue, <laughs> even employees inside your business. So what I wanted is like, how do I get rid of a lot of that complexity and have a single point of And it starts with diagnosis, what's the problem, where you want to go to, formulating strategy around that that looks at the problem independently and then recommending things that you can invest in and then help with executing them tactically which is where a lot of this falls over because it's complex and you need specialists to do that and then okay well we've done a what did it do and the measurement around that and feeding that back around the cycle back to diagnosis strategy planning tactical execution measurement back around again and you complete these cycles and it's called a growth loop and if you do that you get better and it's a continual self-improvement process so what i've done essentially is created software that assists that process and gives structure around that and automates a lot of that complexity for you yeah so it takes the the complex parts of running a business into this is what you need to do to drive and and what the hibernacy staff and I do is we act as an independent voice to to the client, whoever they are, I don't really care, but like a non-vested interest perspective for them. And so they can ask, okay, John, like you hooked us up with this agency that does this, how's it going from your perspective? And I can sort of be that that person that they come to for that, that advice. I do this with structured advisory boards as well. And what are the wins you've had with hibernacy clients at the moment? 
Yeah, so a lot of, I'm still building out the tactical execution arm, which is really big, but I've been doing live testing with all my clients on that and it's actually really effective. So for example, last night, one of my clients sold a 12, $11.9 million of, of artwork, right? And yeah, look, the thing that I do for them is I hook them up with, it's very simple. Well, I can kind of talk about this, but we used basically two channels out of 48 and very, very, very effective combined with some other things that they're doing to support the sales process. But it's basically just Google ads and Google optimization for that client. So that's the thing, picking the right channel that'll work for someone yeah. versus doing everything. We call it channel market fit in the, in, the, in the SaaS or software world. Very important. Different sectors and different services will, will be better at certain channels, will be better at furthering that goal than others. And that's what we're talking about. Like, is TikTok relevant for like a tradie, for example? Yeah, you might be able to use it in a, a, in a particular way, but would it be? I would argue yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, <Would> it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could but be, sure. Yeah. But okay, we've got constraints. Like what's working right now? Oh, your referral network's working. Well, why don't you expand your referral network? Okay, is it probably worth your time an hour a week, like dedicating some time to that or getting someone else to dedicate time to that? Yes, it's already working. Like double down on it. What are you doing? Yeah. Don't get distracted by, by the shiny objects. It's like me, my podcast group is working for me right now. I'm building a really good community of people that, mm-hmm. that are wanting to start shows and in that how to start a podcast group. And yeah, people ask me questions and, and I'm getting phone calls, appointments off that. So why don't double down in, in that and provide... Community building, yeah. It's really critical. We do this in software a lot, community building. Again, really resource intensive to manage, as you probably noticed. You need to moderate the groups and like get people on board and get them engaged all the time. But yeah, it has a non-linear sort of effect with that and you'll start to see traction and it'll be very valuable. So, cool. All right. And uh, so this bit I want to call Get to Know John. We've, we've talked a lot about what you do and, and, sure. and think. So if you were to go back to your career, you're just about to leave TVC world. So you've got that experience and now you're moving into the medium services game. Yep. What advice would you give John of that age and, and now you're at this point? So, sorry, the TVC. Sorry, I probably again. confused you. What advice would you give younger John about about business now that you're now? Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, that's, that's always a nice thing to, to be privy to. But yeah, look, if I was starting out again, the best thing about business and, and like I'm formally trained at university in, in marketing and, and strategic marketing in particular, but I think it's a very practical craft. So just get involved straight away at whatever level you can, right? Get your hands dirty. And then from there, you'll find, you'll be a really good experience, number one. Number two, you'll find out what, what you're better at and what you like. And don't be afraid to fail at things and do it really badly, right? But if you're not in the mix, you're not exposed to the market, you're not, you're not going to be seeing things that may interest you in the future. So, I mean, I, I did have that experience at university. I was working in a marketing research firm. I was the person on the street knocking on doors, getting people to fill out surveys in the, in the <laughs> supermarket, on the footpath, getting them to fill out things. I was there re- recording notes as the focus group is going on and being moderated by the, the moderator. So like very practical. I was there logging the data into SPSS, that kind of thing. So that was one of my first jobs. So look, I would say, yeah, move with the market, be flexible would be my advice and just get your hands dirty. What's the most rewarding thing about what you do? Well, it used to be seeing my clients like grow, right? But then I was very effective at that. I'm like, oh, why am I spending all my time growing other people's businesses? It can be a bit (laughs) self-defeating. But I think I still enjoy that to an extent, but I'm more focused on now like a bigger impact, maybe democratizing access to to my knowledge to to a lot of people. And I think when I, I see businesses turn around and they get 
traction with their business and it alleviates some of the anxiety they have in their, in their life. That's really rewarding. I really like seeing that and the confidence growing in them. And I think I'm just there to show them, hey, this is the path, stick to it. It's okay. Yeah, it sucks at the beginning, but this is what we should focus on. And I really like seeing that progression from, from something small to something big. Uh, who are your mentors that you look up to and what's one bit of advice they've given to you that sticks with you today? Yeah, look, I'll be honest, I probably haven't been as good on the mentor side of things as I, as I should have. Recently, I have started paying for a mentor. It's a lady, she's very good at strategic planning and we have calls once a fortnight, once a month, really good. But she keeps me on track and just like, how would I approach these problems? How would I fix them? And she lends her wisdom to, to me. And we've been having calls as well to keep each other on task every week as well. And Every day. Yeah, I tell you what I'm trying to complete today yeah. and then there's that accountability. Actually... Yeah, I'll, I'll tell people about it. Every about 9 o'clock, 9.30, we'll call each other uh, and we we'll go, hey, what, what are you going to do today? Mm. And you'll say, I'm doing this, this, this. I'll say, I'm doing this, this, this. Cool, I'll call you at 4 o'clock and see yeah, what we've done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's amazing what you'll do at 3.30. <laughs> and it's like when you're in lockdown or freelancing, for example, you don't have that that person on your side. And if you're running your own business, you don't have that that discipline right and you help keep me on track and then i can be honest about oh shit actually i didn't get that done today <laughs> crap but at least i tried at least someone i know is kind of like oh okay that's fine but what are you gonna do tomorrow like what was your roadblock cool well at least think about that pragmatically see so, like mentors i think leverage their wisdom and invest in your mentoring network and just be really careful who you choose i think there's a lot of coachy sort of people out there which is great but the best mentors are going to be very time poor people who are very good with they do and they're not gonna have much spare time right so if you're a full-time coach that's a red flag for me right if you if you want a business mentor for example so yeah look i would be investing in and in, in finding someone that you think can provide a lot of value to you and and that is probably going to say no that's the person you want <laughs> <laughs> that's good yeah that's good i'm glad you didn't say no to me <laughs> i said i'm really busy but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll come and have a kebab in Oakley, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like kebabs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. When you're not working, what do you like to do? So, yeah, like I've been pretty bad at this because you can get really involved in business. And I do enjoy my it. My business is my hobby. Yeah. yeah, and you enjoy it, right? Yeah. But I have found it can manifest itself in like distractive ways and uh, you really need like some balance in your life. So you do the opposite of what you do. So if you stare at a computer screen or on the phone all day, you need to dedicate some spare time to just doing nothing, right? I mean just lying on the on the grass out in the sun if it's sunny and going down the beach i i swim a lot that's my kind of like boring thing i hate it it's boring <laughs> keeps me fit though and when i'm swimming i'm shut off from everything else right i'm just hearing the waves of, of the water motion i'm turning i'm, I'm puffing and but subconsciously i am kind of thinking about things and solving problems so i i think what i enjoy doing is is physical activity getting the outdoors that's the the sort of yin and and yang balance that, that i need yeah. Now I know you're not an inspirational quote poster. I've, I've never seen. I've never seen, seen you put one up. Well, I did give you a quote. Yeah, yeah. best marketing doesn't feel like marketing. Well, that was that was going to be my question. Is what's your what's your quote you'd like to like to live by? If there is that one. The best marketing doesn't feel like marketing. Oh, geez, a quote I want to live by. Well, you like to. Live I've been reading Marcus, Marcus recently. Lots of good quotes in there, right? And I think, and this comes up in the Silence of the Lambs, that scene where Jodie Foster's interviewing, what's his name? Uh, Hannibal Lecter? Yeah, Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. I forget his name. Anyway, interviewing and, and he says, Marcus Aurelius, what is it? What is this thing? What is its nature? What is its being? And I think this comes down to diagnosis when I, when I meet 
clients and it's really good in business. Like, what is that person? What makes them tick? What's behind that person or that business? And, and using that and thinking about that in more detail. So a little quote, what is it? What is its being? That's my kind of inspirational thing. Love it. How do people reach out to you? So, so someone's listening along, they want to drive sales and revenue growth and they need to, they need to have a chat. What's, what's the best way to reach out? Probably, okay, yeah, because I've got hundreds of emails, don't email me. Too many calls, don't call me. I think just like PM, PM me on, or private message me on, on LinkedIn. John, second name, James, the guy wearing the suit in black and white is my picture. Yeah, that's probably the best way. And then let's just have a conversation via phone or Zoom and I'll see if there's some alignment. Yeah. That's probably the best way. Awesome. Well, John... Thanks for coming on. I my hope pleasure. there's been some value in there. I know there has been from my point of view. We didn't go too deep on, on the details, but if you want to go there next time, we can so go will, there. We will do that. Don't, don't worry. We'll come on for part two. And yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you.